Welcome to Meadowbrook Church, loving Jesus by loving people. For more information about who we are, find us online at www.meadowbrook.ca. Grab your Bibles and turn with me to Luke chapter 12. If you need a Bible, there's a Bible on the pew in front of you. It's page 1043 in that Bible. So we lost an hour last night. That's never fun, right? If you've got young kids, you realize it doesn't matter whatsoever because they get up at the same time anyway. But uh, we're a little sleepier this morning, and so I thought, oh, it's a good way to start off. Why don't we sugar it up a little bit this morning just to kind of get us going? So, uh, so Marissa, you want some gummy bears? Come on up and give me a hand. So Marissa's part of our worship team. You all know her. She's a pretty good lady. She's not the best, but she's okay. And... Marissa, I just want to gift you with those today, okay? So those are yours. You can do whatever you want. So you can dig in there and, and enjoy them yourselves, and I'll just leave them with you. They're, it's up to you, okay? So you do whatever you want with those, and we'll come back to that in a bit. We are moving through our series called Christ Stories, Parables for Today, and this will take us up until Easter. And so we are uh, working our way through some of the teachings of Jesus. He told many, many parables. We're not getting to but a fraction of them in this series, but we are wanting to dig into some of the things that he taught us through these parables and not just to look look at them and say, hey, that's really good teaching, but to look at them and say, okay, what do we do with this now? How do we apply this to our lives today? So we're wanting to make the application of this really important. Our key verse that's overarching the series is 1 John 2, 6, whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Whoever would call themselves a Christ follower actually needs to follow after the teaching and example of Jesus. And so we acknowledge that nobody does this perfectly. No one can live as perfectly as as Jesus did. However, it means that if we're going to call ourselves Christ followers, we're going to make this a priority, that we're going to dig into what did he actually teach, and how can I order my life after that teaching, that I could follow what he taught us and follow the example that he has given us. So we're going to look at our text today. We're in Luke chapter 12, again, page 1043, if you are in the uh, Pew Bible. And uh, wow, you went through those pretty quick. All right, so we got a little sugar out there. You know, what, Marissa, I'm so touched by your generosity that I want to encourage you just to keep being that generous. So feel free to take those and head out there and, and just grab a handful, guys, for real, because there's lots more where that came from. So as Marissa goes around, please do help yourself. So we are in Luke chapter 12. We're starting in verse 13. This is the parable of the rich fool. Someone in the crowd said to him, Jesus, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. Wow, you went through that, but you know what? Just keep at it. Just keep going. No, there's, there's lots more. So you just keep passing those out. And uh, again, take as much as you want, because we got plenty more. Marissa can work the whole service if we want. 
So the parable comes, as many of our parables that we've looked at comes, in answer to a question or an answer to a situation. This thing pops up. Someone is mad that the inheritance in his mind is not being divided fairly. We don't know if that's true or not. We're not told. But uh, Jesus is asked to weigh in. And in response to this conversation about money and fairness and all of these things, Jesus decides to tell a story in response. And so we have talked about through these parables uh, how we are all welcomed home into the family of God like the prodigal son. And we are called to be a loving people, a sacrificial people like the good Samaritan was. We're called to be a forgiving people, unlike the parable of the unmerciful servant. We're called to be a welcoming people like the story of the banquet seats. We're called to be an inviting people like the parable of the great banquet. And we are called to be a generous people as followers of Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, your life should be marked by generosity. And as we look at this, a lot of us can look at the parable of the rich fool and say, well, it doesn't apply to me. I'm not rich, right? I can dismiss the teaching because I'm not a wealthy person. And we're going to look at this. And the Bible does have some warnings. For those of us who are maybe a bit more well-off than others, there are warnings in there. And Scripture does tell us just if you have money, be careful because it easily corrupts and it easily takes over. But even if we are not wealthy by Canadian standards, by any measure of the, the standard of living in the world, we're a wealthy people in Canada in the 21st century. Even if we are still struggling and even if we are still not uh, maybe getting ahead or we feel like we're going paycheck to paycheck, when you look at what we have in our culture, when you look at our hospitals and our schooling and the assistance that's available and, and different things, by any standard where much of the world is living on a dollar a day, uh, we're doing pretty good here in Canada. We hit the lottery based on when we were born and where we live. Uh, we didn't earn it. We happened to be born in this time and in this place. And so as we uh, reflect on that, by any standard, uh, we're doing pretty good by, by worldly standards. And so just to keep that in mind, Mark Driscoll says, when you read the Bible and it uses the word rich, if you're in North America, you're rich because we're not in India and China and some of the places that really struggle in this world. But beyond that, the story specifically is about a wealthy person, but beyond that, uh, we're going to stretch it a little bit today beyond the immediate context to talk a bit broader about what we sometimes call stewardship. And when we talk about stewardship, all we are talking about is answering the question, what are you doing with what God has given you? You don't have to give away money like Bill Gates does if you don't have that money, but what are you doing with what you have been given? Uh, with the gifts that he has given, with everything that he has blessed you with, what are you doing with what you've been given? Thanks, Marissa. Everybody say thanks, Marissa, for bringing us candy this morning. You're the most popular girl in the room today because you brought sugar to everybody. So what are you doing with what you've been given? And, uh, and this incredible thing has happened where God has entrusted you with certain things. He has given you gifts and said, I trust you with that, that you will do good with what I have given you. And so let that sink in and take that as the honor that it is, that the King of glory, King of kings and Lord of lords, has looked at your life and said, I trust you with certain things. I'm going to give you certain gifts, and I'm going to trust that you'll do good things with them. And in this area of stewardship, what our job to is, is to look at the things we've been given and ask ourselves that question, am I doing good with the gifts I have been given? Am I being faithful with what he has entrusted to me? When we talk 
talk about stewardship, one of the, the things we do to kind of simplify it is we sometimes talk about it in terms of time, talent, and treasure. I didn't come up with that. That's just kind of classic stewardship categories. Three T's, easy to remember. We have all been gifted with time. We have all been gifted with talents or gifts. And we've all been gifted with treasure, with money to some extent. And for some, that might be more than others. But what are we doing with the time we've been given? What are we doing with the talents and gifts that we've been given? What are we doing with the treasure that God has put in our hand? And so as we talk about stewardship, we start here. We have to acknowledge first and foremost, everything we have is a gift. Everything we have comes to us as a gift from God. As our parable starts off in verse 16, the word of God says that the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. That's a good problem to have, right? I've just got so much. I don't have room for any of it. But right away, he starts to shift into, well, what am I going to do? He's, he's feeling sorry for himself, almost. I don't have enough barns to store all the blessing that I have. And he starts to focus on himself. But it's interesting the parable starts with, the ground yielded a harvest. The man didn't make it happen. The ground produced an abundant harvest. And that's not to say that he or likely his servants didn't take care of it or work at it. But the man didn't make the sunshine on the soil. The man didn't make the rain come to water the roots. The man didn't make the miracle of life occur where a seed opened and roots came and something miraculous came forward. The ground and ultimately the Lord blesses him. God makes it happen. And so when we start talking about stewardship, we always start with acknowledging that what we have has come to us as a gift. We can't make a lot of things happen. It comes to us as a gift. Psalm 24, verse 1, that's a bit hard to read, says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Or your version might say, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Everything in heaven and on earth belongs to him. And so sometimes when we talk about stewardship, people start to go like, well, don't tell me what to do with my money. And the, the stewardship answer is, it's not your money, sorry. That's not your money. Because the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. It's all his. And when we talk about spending our time, don't tell me what to do with my time. It's like the only reason you have any time is because God has breathed his life into you and sustains you. Right? Everything belongs to him and it comes to us as a gift. And so as we look at our lives and start to ask ourselves, what am I doing with my time? What am I doing with my treasure? What am I doing with my talents? We start by acknowledging that my time is the gift of God. My treasure is the gift of God. The talents that I've been given are the gift of God. It all comes from him. Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 18 says, Remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. It's a promise made to Israel, but it is the, the, just the, the fact that you can work is the gift of God. He has given you that ability. And so the, the abilities that we are given are not our own. And that's not to say that we don't bring anything to the table because we still have to work hard. And so sometimes people can build a business or build an industry. And, and it's not that they haven't worked incredibly hard at it and continually devoted themselves to it. But even the gifts that they have to do that come from God. 
And the health that they have to do that comes from God. The mental capacity to envision something like that comes from God. And so we don't say that, you know, we have nothing to do with things or we don't bring our, our efforts to the table, but we start first by acknowledging even the ability to bring that effort is the goodness and the grace of God. That everything we have comes down from heaven, every good and perfect gift from the Father of heavenly lights. And this should do two things for us. It should keep us humble, first and foremost, because it's hard to brag about how great we are if we're acknowledging it all only comes from him. It's like not everybody here is a gifted musician. We have very gifted musicians here, but the gift comes from God. And that's not that they haven't practiced it and developed it and they don't work hard at it, but the gift comes from God. And I can say that with confidence because I could give most of you a guitar right now and you would suck if you came up here. The gift comes from God. We can bring our devotion to it, but it all comes from him. And so knowing that will keep us humble. I am not great. I am just gifted by God to do something. Uh, I am successful because God has done that. I have enough to eat because God has provided. I have breath in my lungs because God is sustaining me. It will humble us, and hopefully it also makes us grateful. It also makes us unbelievably thankful because if the Lord's the one who gives us the ability to even work, then the fact that I have a job is amazing, and I can be thankful for that. I can be thankful for the breath. I can be thankful for the time. I can be thankful for the paycheck. I can be thankful to him when I acknowledge that everything comes from him. And so that, to some extent, is pretty obvious, and yet there is something within all of us. There is this natural pull towards our self, towards our selfishness, and the rich fool falls into that pretty quickly, continuing on in verse 18. So the blessing comes, the ground produces an abundant harvest. He doesn't have room for all of his wealth. So he says, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. And so there's nothing in him that says, wow, I have all this wealth. Uh, maybe I should help the poor. Maybe I should feed the hungry. Maybe I should do good. Maybe I should help cure a disease. Maybe I should uh, reach out with what I've been given. Instead, he does what I think is natural to most of us, which is I got to take care of myself. Right? Like, you know, and you can justify that in a lot of ways. You don't know what the harvest is going to be like next year. So I have to keep this all for myself just in case. Right? My, my family's the most important thing, and so I need to take care of my family. Other people, I understand, but, but I, just, I need to do me. I got to take care of me. And so right away, he turns inward as to how this is going to benefit him. Uh, and just, you know what? My life will be easier now as I enjoy the wealth that, that I have created and accumulated. So there's this natural pull to take care of ourselves and if we are going to be followers of Jesus, we need to follow in the ways of Jesus. And when it comes to focusing on ourselves and taking care of ourselves, that's not something Jesus ever did. Jesus, who had all of these, uh, you know, miraculous powers and abilities where he could create wealth and he could create food and, and he could create a name for himself. And instead, he chooses this incredibly humble path and he uses his gifts to serve others. And he uses his gifts to honor God and glorify God. And he uses his gifts to, to help the poor. And he chooses to give himself away instead of saying, what's in it for me and how I can take care of myself? And again, if you're not rich, don't dismiss this because we do this too wherever we're at in life. Where it's just so easy to take what we've been given and say, I'm just going to keep that for me. 
right? Marissa had the freedom to eat all the gummy bears herself, and she chose to give it away, and I told her to for the illustration, but I think she would have anyway. I would like to think that about Marissa. And so Jesus does not focus on himself. Jesus focuses his life on, how can I die for you, for your benefit and for your betterment? How can I honor God and lay down my life for you? Self-preservation is very natural. It's not an overly Christ-like quality. And so we look to follow the example of Jesus, which is to say, how can I be generous with what I've been given? How can I give that away to help others? And of course, we have bills and we have obligations and responsibilities. But as we go through stewardship, we're talking about what does that look like for me as I examine? Am I being generous with my time? Am I being generous with my money? Am I being generous with my gifts to bless other people? So there's a biblical principle called tithing. And my father taught me about it when I was seven. And so I've been doing it for a long time in my life. And the principle of tithing is uh, of the income that comes in, we give 10% to the Lord. We give 10% to him as an act of worship. And some people like to dismiss it as that's just law. But it was actually practiced before the law. And then it gets enshrined in the law. And then Jesus affirms it after the law. And that's another teaching for another time. But my wife and I believe very much in this principle. And so we do bring 10% uh, of what we make. And we bring it as an offering to the Lord. Now, now, there are months when money is tight. There are times we can't afford it on paper, right? We have a big car repair, or, or the month is just more expensive than normal. It would be easier just to keep that for ourselves. But throughout our marriage, there have been times where our money is comfortable. There have been times where uh, money's been really tight. There's been times where we've been on one income and a small income. And there's been times where I've been unemployed. And there's been all sorts of seasons of our financial uh, situation. And we have tied through all of it because we want to honor God with what we've been given. And so we bring him the 10%. And we know as we do that, as we bring that, in this case, to Meadowbrook, that that money also blesses others. And it helps to, to serve others. It supports our missionaries. It supports our kids' program and our youth program. There's a practical side to it. But we want to honor God with what we've been given. We want to be faithful with what he has entrusted us with. And so there are still, I've been doing this for 30 years, but there are still times where the pull is, oh, I really want to keep it just for us because we need it. And yet, as we trust God enough to release it, we trust God with what he's trusted us with. We've never been in lack. We've never been rich, but we've always had enough. We have multiple times in our life where I would say miraculously money has shown up at just the right moment, just when we needed it. And so as we are faithful to trust God with what he's trusted us with, part of that is just the faith side of it, where when it comes to God, he has limitless resources behind him. Our time is limited. Our money might feel limited. He is not limited at all. There are always more gummy bears. He is not running short. And sometimes we feel like, oh, I've got what I've got on my plate, and I need to keep it so it's on my plate. And we're not realizing that there's no room for God to pour anything else onto your plate until you make some room by giving some stuff away. And as you give away, you make room for him to give you more. And when he gives you more, it's not just so you can be more comfortable, it's so you can give more away. That as he is generous with us, we are generous with others. And so Sarah and I tithe, and we support a number of charities, and we support some missionaries, and we are trying to every year increase how much we're giving away because we're trying to follow after the example of Jesus who didn't keep anything for himself but was a generous person, to say the least. And if we're to follow after Jesus, we are to be a generous people as well. 
There's a joke about a man who uh, was struggling a bit financially. He didn't have an amazing job, and so he was uh, making around $500 a week, and he was in church one day, and he really felt like God wanted him to start tithing. And so uh, $500 a week, I mean, money's tight uh, at that level, and the tithe is $50 a week. Like, that's a sacrifice. And he went and talked to his pastor, and he said, I really feel like God wants me to do this, and it is a sacrifice. It's going to be hard. Can you pray for me and keep me accountable to this? And the pastor said, sure. And so the man begins to give his 10%, $50 a week, and it's a lot when money's tight. But as he does that, he sees the, the principle coming to effect where God starts trusting him with more. Now that he's been faithful, God can trust him with more. And so his job situation starts to improve, and he begins to climb the ranks. And a few years after this, he's not making $500 a week, he's making $5,000 a week. And so his tithe is $500 on 5,000. 10% of 5,000 is 500. And he's looking at his numbers going, man, I mean, it was one thing when I was given a couple hundred a month to the church. Now I'm giving a couple thousand. Like, this is really starting to add up. And, and that's money that could go to some other really good things for my family. And so he goes to his pastor and he says, listen, this, I, I know you, I wanted you to keep me accountable. Uh, can you let me off the hook? Because this tithing is, is getting a little big. And the pastor said, well, the 10% is 10%, right? As your income's increased, it has, but you've also increased in your income. And the man says, it's just so much money. He's like, I just, is there any way God can kind of let me off the hook on this? And the pastor said, yeah, I don't think you can, biblically. He says, if you want, I can pray that your salary goes back to 500 a week. <laughs> Maybe the tithe will be a little more manageable for you after that. And so again, God's not asking you to be Bill Gates and give away billions of dollars if you don't have billions of dollars. He's asking you to be faithful with what you have been given. And so I was visiting a congregation member at our previous church, and they said, you know, we can't tithe. We just can't afford to tithe. We just can't afford it. And as we're in their house, you know, I'm looking around. I'm going, it's a nice house. It's got nice furniture. Everyone's got a smartphone. There's tablets everywhere. There's a nice TV. There's two cars in the driveway. And I just said, let's not say you can't afford it. Let's say we're spending our money on other things. Like, let's be honest. Uh, because if you wanted to, you could probably figure out a way to make that work. And so what are we doing with what we've been given? With what God has put in your hands, are we being faithful to be a generous people with that? And as we do that, uh, this amazing thing happens where we say, I can't give up my time to do this, or I can't give up the money to do that. But as we are faithful to give that away, God is faithful to give us more. Right? The plate refills. Because he is not limited in any way. And, and sometimes we want to wait and say, well, if I would just get more money or if my time would just get into a better situation, then I could do more. But don't wait for that day because there will always be excuses that we can make for not doing it. Right? Our job is to be faithful with what we've got now. So when it comes to the time that we've been given, I mean, we all have the same amount of time in a day. That is no different no matter who you are. Right? You've got to sleep around eight hours, and you've got to work maybe around eight hours, and then you've got to write around eight hours that are yours to do with what you want. What are we doing with our time? What are we doing with the gifts, the talents we've been given? And what are we doing with the treasure? Um, the things that God has gifted you with are not just for you. They're not just for your betterment. They're not just for your family. They are to honor him, and they are to serve others. And so are we doing that with what we've been given? Because if we're going to follow after the example of Jesus, he gave everything away. 
And if we're going to follow after his example, it is to say, yeah, self-preservation is not an overly Christ-like quality. And I'm not saying go crazy and just start giving away 100% of your paycheck. I'm saying, you know, we do have certain obligations, obviously, and we do have limits on our time because we have obligations there. But with what we have, what are we doing with it? Are we living a Christ-like, generous life with our money and with our time without, you know, neglecting our children, say? But what are we doing with that? The Bible says in 2 Corinthians, Corinthians 9, 6 and 7, Paul writes, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He's talking about generosity. Whoever sows bountifully or generously will also reap bountifully. And so where we want to say, if I could just get the bountiful part first, then I can start being generous. Or if I could just get my time freed up first, then maybe I could start giving it away. Or, or then I could start using my talents. We get it backwards to what the Bible tells us. The Bible says, what, with what you have, start sowing. Because you can't reap the harvest if the seed's not sown. And so if we aren't generous, then, then we can't get anything back. It's a harvest metaphor. The generosity comes first, and that's faith at that point. Because if I have a field that I need to fill with seed, it's always going to be a sacrifice to buy the seed first, right? You got to pay for that up front. And you're trusting by faith that harvest will come in later, and harvest is always bigger than what was sowed. And so when we talk about what do we want to walk in, do you want a sparing harvest or do you want a generous harvest? Right? Do you want a little or do you want a lot? And, and let's order our lives accordingly. Jesus says in Luke 16.10, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. Whoever's dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. Not everything Jesus says is warm and fuzzy and cozy. Right? And so where we want the much first, just give me much. I would happily give away. If I win the lottery, do you ever have that conversation? If we ever won the lottery, we don't play it, but if somehow we won, we would give money to this and we would give money to that and we give money to this. And my dad was a financial planner. He never had anyone, I think, win the lottery, but he would sometimes have clients of his come into an inheritance. That was a lot more likely. And he just saw people come into an inheritance and it would be gone in a year and he says, it's such a myth to think that if you had more money, your finances would just be better. He said, if you don't have good financial habits when you're poor, you're going to have bad financial habits when you're rich. And so the principle that Jesus is teaching us is we want the much first, but we have to prove ourselves trustworthy with the little before Jesus can give us any more. And so be faithful with what he has entrusted you with right now. Start to figure out ways to be generous with your time and your money and your talents now. And then as you prove yourself faithful with the little, have faith that he will then increase. He will trust you with more. Where we want to flip it around and say, if I could just get to a better spot, then this could happen. Jesus says, be faithful now with what you got. So with your time and with your talents and with your treasures, are you being faithful? Even if it's just a little that you have. Even if it's not a lot, are you being faithful to be generous to the extent that you can be generous with what you have? Because ultimately we're called to honor God with what he's given us. He's given us gifts, he's trusted us with them, and we are to honor him with what we've been given. We are to serve others as well. Verse 20, as the man starts to make his plans to better his own situation and focus on himself, verse 20 says, God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? And so there's this, this shift that happens again. Even your life is a gift. 
And we don't know how much time we have, and that's not nice to think about, but, but that's just the reality, is that we have a time on this earth, we don't know how long it's going to be, and Jesus reframes everything as he so often does in light of eternity. Right? Your time here is temporary. Your time in eternity is eternal. And are you living with an eternal mindset? Because the things that heaven thinks are important are not always the same things that we think are important here on this earth. There's an old joke I know that I've told it here before, I think, a few times. So laugh anyway, even if you know the punchline, it'll make me feel good. That there's a wealthy man, and he's coming to the end of his life. And this man loves Jesus, and he uses his wealth for charity and to bless others and, and does incredible things. And uh, an angel appears to him one night and says, you've done very well. You're coming to the end of your life. God just wants to let you know this as a courtesy. You're about to go home, so get your affairs in order. And the man says to the angel, thank you for the heads up. I'm so excited to see Jesus and spend eternity with him. Uh, I really want to bring him a gift when I see him. And the angel said, you can't do that. You know that. The Bible says you can take nothing out of this life. So, no, you can't bring a gift. There's nothing you can give him. Uh, he has everything. And the man said, but just as an act of my worship, I just, I'm so grateful. I want to bring him something that will show him uh, just how much I am grateful for what he's done for me in my life. And so the angel says, okay, fine. We'll, we'll make an exception. It's unbiblical, but sure, go ahead. Pick something to bring as the gift. And so the man ponders because he's wealthy. He has many possessions. There's, there's a lot of good things. And then ultimately he decides, I'm going to bring Jesus my collection of pure gold bars. It's the purest gold, and, and they're incredibly expensive, and they're stunning to look at. And so he said, I will bring that. And, and, you know, in the Bible, sometimes when you see a king, you bring gold. Gold is the tribute you pay to a king, so it'll be fitting. It'll be beautiful. It's my favorite thing, and it'll be my act of worship. And so the man passes away, and he's, he's got a briefcase with him as he stands before Jesus. And Jesus says to him, well done, good and faithful servant. Come and enter into the joy of the Lord. Come and enter into eternity with me. And the man says, Jesus, I just I kind of brought you a little something on the way in. And Jesus says, yes, yes, that's right. What did you bring? And so the man lays down the case and opens it up, and these stunning gold bars are sitting there. And Jesus stares at it for a while and doesn't say anything. And the man is starting to get a little insecure and he said, Lord, I, I really thought you would like that. Uh, that was the best that I had, the most that I could give. I really thought you would like these gold bars. And Jesus said, yeah, I'm just trying to understand why you brought me pavement. <laughs> that happened in the first service, too. It was kind of a rolling understanding. <laughs> the Bible says the streets in heaven are paved with gold, if that penny hasn't dropped for you. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, we lost an hour of sleep last night. It's, it's fair. <laughs> so the things that we think are important are not always the same thing that heaven thinks are important. And, and Jesus continually tries to get us to reframe our lives in light of eternity, not just thinking about the here and now, not just thinking about our own comfort, not just thinking about what's best or short term, but to have an eternal view and understanding that the way I live my life now has consequences in eternity, and the way I live my life now has consequences on earth as well. And so how am I living my life to be faithful with what I've been given? so that I can serve others here on earth and I can honor God with what I've been given on earth and in eternity. 
the rich man dies, obviously, apparently in this story. Jesus wraps up the parable with kind of a parenthetical comment at the end, verse 21. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. And that's not to say Jesus is striking down everybody with heart attacks or anything, but just, just this picture of your life here is temporary. Your soul is eternal. And are you living your life here on earth with eternity in mind? And understanding that don't dismiss it because you're not wealthy in this life. Most of us are not wealthy, but with what you've been given, proportionally, with what you have been given in your time and in your talent and in your treasures, are you being faithful to glorify God with that and glorify other people with that as well? Come on up, worship team. We're just about done. We have an email address here at Meadowbrook questions at meadowbrook.ca and we've set it up just to talk about the sermons talk about theology if you have any questions about the message today if you have any comments uh, if you want to keep the conversation going we are always happy to do that so please do make use of that if you feel so led timothy keller pastor in the states puts it this way he says if you have any money power or status today it is largely due to the century and place in which you were born to your talents and capacities and health none of which you earned in short, all your resources are, in the end, the gift of God. And I would just tag on there, again, that's not to say that we don't labor as well, that we don't uh, work hard, but again, even the ability to work hard comes as a gift from him. And so we are wanting to reframe everything and shift our thinking in light of not that my money's mine or my time is mine or my gifts are mine, but acknowledging that my time is God's. And my money is God's. And my gifts are God's. And what can I do in light of that understanding to honor him with what I've been given and to serve others and bless others with what I've been given? So let's be examining this in our lives. What am I doing with my time? What am I doing with my talents? What am I doing with the treasure that has been given to me? And remembering that it has been entrusted to you. God has given it to you as a gift and also said, what will you do with it now? And I trust that you will do good with what you have been given. So as we reflect on how we spend our time, what we're doing with our gifts, and what we're doing with the money, the treasure that we have been given, uh, let's be praying for, Lord, open up our eyes. Where can we be generous with what we've got? And, and again, with wherever you're at, whether it's a, a lot of talent or you're just learning your talents, whether you've got tons of free time or hardly any free time, whether he's blessed you with lots of money or money is super tight, wherever you're at, which is what are you being, where are you being faithful with what you have been given? Again, you're not expected to be more than what you've been given, but with what you've been given. How are we honoring God and serving others? Would you stand with me? Let's pray for a moment. Father, the teachings of Jesus are not always easy, and yet we believe that they are always good, that they lead us into a better way. And today's teaching challenges us to be a generous people. And so, Lord, as we reflect, as we discuss with our, our families, with our spouses, uh, with our, our leaders, our mentors, whoever, as we reflect on the time that you have gifted us with, and the gifts and talents that you have gifted us with, and the treasure, the money that you have gifted us with. Uh, open up our eyes, Lord, that we would not be uh, a self-centered or a self-preserving people, but that we would look for where we can be generous, to open our hearts, to open our time, to open our calendar, to open our wallets, to open up uh, opportunities for us to serve others with what you have given us, Lord, that we would be faithful stewards 
of everything that we have as we acknowledge, Lord, that you are the source of everything that we have. And Lord, let that make us humble and let that make us grateful as we acknowledge your goodness in our lives and as we want to do well by you for your generosity with us that we would be generous in response. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to close with some worship and then we'll be all done. time together this morning is finished but just as we leave this building and as Chris said earlier just a challenge for us to really look at our lives and question where we need to give our time and to be begging God to show us and shed light on areas where we need to be a better steward so um, before we wrap up um, we're just going to close off in prayer and if you guys are needing prayer we're going to have some people at the front here um, and I encourage you to come up and have prayer um, if you do not, do not want prayer I just ask that you visit out in the lobby or at the cafe so let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you give us life, that these lives we have are not our own, Lord, but they are from you, and that everything we have is a gift. God, I ask that you would convict us, and that you would shed light on areas in our life where we need to be a better steward, Lord, that you would give us the strength and the desire to give to you what is rightfully yours. Lord, we ask that as we leave this place, you would be with us and that you would just bring us back safely next week. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Have a good Sunday, everyone.